0: How do people have a baby? What's gay? Um, out of your body. Work? What is a period? What is transgender? What is a condom? What is a sperm? What is poop? Pu- I can it. What is puberty? What would it be like to be a boy? But would a boy want to know what it's like to be a girl?
1: What is that? What is sex? Welcome
2: to What is Sex? Each episode, we will discuss one anonymous question we've been asked by a kid while teaching sex ed. I'm Rebecca.
1: And I'm Izzy. And we're two of the co founders of Yes, a nonprofit that provides sex positive, intersectional, consent based sexuality education to people of all ages.
2: We believe it's never too early to start having these conversations. To learn more about us, check out our website yes 2 Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at yes2consent. Hi, Izzy. Hi.
1: <sighs> Can you believe that with this episode we're halfway through season 2?
2: No. I really can't. No. This really flew by.
1: Happens fast.
2: I think that it's in part due to Mike's um, labor.
1: So true. Yeah. Our lives are so much easier Yeah, now. it's really incredible. <laughs> Who knew?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we get to do the fun stuff. It's true.
1: And people are listening. It's so nice to see those numbers climbing of our listeners. Are they? Keep telling your friends, everybody. Oh, yeah. Cool. Our episodes are getting more and more popular all the time. Oh, boy. I know.
2: Sooner or later, um, we might be able to get a sponsorship, which oh, would I be... I can't wait.
1: Fucking
2: cool.
1: Speaking of support and our numbers going up, we got a new patron. We actually got four new patrons since our last episode. But only one of them gave enough money for us to say their name on, <laughs> on the episode. We have one new sex set supporter, and that is Callie Kennedy. Thank you, Callie. Uh, Callie is such a gem. Callie just bought a pair of earrings from me.
2: Mm. I haven't seen her in a long time, but... Very exciting.
1: Callie was really excited because we mentioned her on an episode this season. I talked about a friend who has a triplet.
2: I did not and know Callie was a triplet.
1: Oh, yeah. Two triplet brothers and their birthdays. Well, coming up. But by the time this episode happens, it will have already happened. <laughs> so happy birthday, Callie, Christopher and Matthew. Oh, that's so interesting.
2: Yeah. I don't even so remember you talking about triplets. What episode was that? How to make a
1: baby. Ah, see. How to make three yeah (laughs) so shout out to kelly kennedy and you all could have this exciting attention on you (laughs) if you become a patron on our patreon so check that out and thank you also to our three other new patrons giving less than five dollars is still great you're very valuable to us extremely um so the question
2: that we have today is how do you know that you're circumcised and we needed penis people um we haven't actually had a penis person on the podcast in a little bit is that true i can't remember it's been a few months for sure and before choosing to do this question when we chose to do it which is right now um i had had a conversation with mike the person who is uh engineering this season of the podcast and he was telling me how he and his friend groups, uh, particularly one friend of his talk a lot about their penises because they are both uncircumcised and how that's sort of um, less of the norm within their friend groups. And he's gets excited about meeting other people who are uncircumcised. And I don't know. We decided to have a panel of people. We thought it'd be interesting to have someone who was uncircumcised and someone who was circumcised. And we were thinking about, The penis owners in our lives who we thought would uh, be engaging and fun. And then I came up with (laughs) three people whose penises that I have known in some capacity.
1: And one fun thing is that I've known one of these penises as well. So you get to listen and guess which penis has known both of us. It's very exciting. That's the game for today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we have three
2: guests today which we've never done before and Mm -hmm. it went surprisingly well I was so worried that it was going to be a lot of talking over each other but it was smooth and it was so fun for me did you have a good time
1: yeah I had a great great time time. Mm
2: -hmm. I could have talked about other people's penises forever my experiences with the d
1: yeah I need to eat dinner so I had to cut this off but we could have kept yeah. going.
2: At the end, Izzy frantically said that <laughs> she was too hungry to continue. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we chatted for two hours. It was plenty. It just made me think that it would be cool if we did an episode on labia or vulvas, if we have a question pertaining to that, and to have a bunch of women talk about their vulvas.
1: And maybe some men talking about their vulvas, too. Yeah, that'd be great. I definitely have questions, to be honest. So I think that would be good. Certainly. I have a lot of questions about,
2: does this happen to you too? Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm certain that, you know, yes. Mm. But I I would like to know if the people in my life who I talk about my body with also have the same things going on. And I just always forget to bring it up. So I think it'll be a really interesting place to have all of it yeah, condensed and out in the open. And Sounds good. Cool. So should we get it going?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So... This is our first episode with multiple guests, and we have three pretty exciting, pretty big step up from our, our usual zero to one. Uh, and our guests are 27 year penis owner and enthusiast, Yes's audio engineer, <laughs> Mike Morangello, who uses he, him pronouns. Hi, Mike.
3: Great to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: We also have on the podcast Noah Levinson, who is a friend of Yes and a good friend of mine. Um, Noah is a freelance podcast producer and uses he, him pronouns.
0: Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Izzy. Uh, Thanks for having me on. So good to be here. So
1: glad you're here. Hi, Noah. Uh,
2: We also have Amir Mosley, who is an old friend of mine and Izzy's. Uh, Amir is cisgendered, heterosexual male. He has a BS in anthropology from Longwood University. He ran a boarding school for troubled teens for three years, including a year of working exclusively with female students. And we're so excited that Amir is here with us today. Hi, Amir.
1: Happy to be here. This Zoom call is the first time I've seen Amir's face since eighth grade, so this is a treat.
2: So today we're discussing the question, how do you know if you're circumcised? So, how do you know if you're circumcised? To all of
1: our penis-owning guests. Submitted to me by a a second to fifth grader anonymously, so.
0: So I'll I'll tell you guys the story of how I learned that I was circumcised. It was um, in Hebrew school in the eighth grade. They had, I don't think it was formally like a sex education uh, course, but it was something about our changing bodies and uh, they were trying to broach the subject and we learned about the covenant um that God made with Abraham i guess like back in the way early days when they were establishing what all the the rules would be and my teacher kind of nervously um and yeah explained how it was that um God made this pact with Abraham that uh, his sons and the sons of his sons would have the this bit of skin on the front of their penis removed eight days after birth. And I was incredibly embarrassed to hear this in, in Hebrew school and completely <laughs> confounded. And I thought, Wait, so how did we get out of that one? How do we get out of that agreement? Because, because the idea that this had actually been upheld and had occurred to me still took quite a while for me to, to absorb. And it mm. wasn't until they started showing us um, the kind of diagram of how it was done that I realized, oh, we didn't get out of this. This actually happened to me. Uh, mm. And... Um, that was how I learned that uh that yeah, that I had been circumcised, that my penis did not always look the way that it uh that it does now.
3: Wild The assumption that like any that that whatever is typical or that at the very least you might think nothing has been done to you. You know what I mean? That your genitals are are exactly as they should be, or exactly as everyone else's are, whatever like a child would think, it's a it it strikes me as a question that's kind of too obvious? Like, well, of course you'll know, but no, you, you, you'd assume that you don't know what to assume. If, if they tell you everyone's circumcised, then that must be what you are, (laughs) you know?
4: Yeah. If you are like I am. And so I just assumed growing up that everybody was. And then, um, unfortunately a lot of my learning is coming from pornography and trying to do things with other teenagers and no one really knows what it is. So like, it's not until you see something that's like, "Hey, wait, hold on, that doesn't look like mine," and at that point, there's so many other things you're seeing. At least for me, let me speak for myself. There's so many other things that I'm seeing that are unusual and not on the day to day, and it's just like, well, all of this is kind of alien and foreign at first and for a while.
2: Um, as far as I didn't you consuming pornography
4: well just as far as that being my personal reference for kind of all of sexuality and all of human anatomy and things like that um so it's based like you know if that's where you're learning and then that's set to extremes and and there's just so much variability and so much information and it's just like well all of a sudden very quickly it's like all options are possible and it's like well does everybody have a bunch of different things or is <laughs> it like just this and this like it, it just kind of it becomes more confusing for, it, for me it became more confusing and so it Mike's right like I just assumed everybody's genitals look like my genitals and then I start seeing others that way like I didn't you know see my brothers or see my dad or anything like that but I saw all of this other stuff in the world mm.
3: well so Amir uh you See, like just just where you're coming from kind of pokes a hole in a the major theory of mine, which is just that like when aroused, a uncircumcised and a circumcised penis are indistinguishable, but that might just count out people with like larger or tighter foreskins or like tighter frenulums like i think maybe like i just assume that you know it'll kind of tuck behind the head regardless so this like oh will, will a girl be freaked out by an uncircumcised penis like you'd have to tell you would have to tell someone for them to know you know what i mean but uh, that that might not be true if like right you 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 are able to notice that in other people or in media or even just if
4: they start flaccid or just, you know, things like that. Right, There's all right. sorts of ways of just being like, you know, seeing it. And then I even think like there are certain movies where you just get like a quick snapshot. It's like, you know, weird European films where it's just like a quick naked guy in the front. And you're just like, whoa, that looked oh, weird. <laughs> and it could, you don't want to go back and just, yeah, you don't want to be like, let me look at that real quick. <laughs> Or you might. But it just kind of plants a seed. Well, you might. I personally didn't. Um, but it, it planted a seed for me where it's like, oh uh, what was that? Why was that different?
1: Hmm. I just want to go back to the point in Noah's story where Noah was like, okay, so how did we get out of that? Like there is a 0% <laughs> chance that people would still do that to... Babies and their penises. Like, I think that's kind of telling that that was your first reaction.
2: Yeah, my follow-up question was going to be, how did it strike you when you learned that that was still happening? Like, did it feel like something had happened to you that you should have been informed about in another way? Yeah, what was your takeaway?
0: I I have to say no. Um, I think, like, my childhood... I, I recall childhood as being this just constant you're constantly assimilating new information. And because the people around you are not freaking out, you you understand that it is good and fine and okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This has a lot of pitfalls because a lot of things actually aren't okay. Um, And, uh, and I, I mean, I just, it just seemed so strange to me and I hadn't heard of this happening And I'm also, my friends always tell me that one trademark of mine is that I always jump to the least logical conclusion um, (laughs) before ever getting to the point, is that, ah, I see, God and Abraham made this covenant. Somewhere along the way, that changed, and I am the way I've always been. (laughs) Um, So when I learned that it had happened to me, I mean, no, I I guess I just absorbed this as one of the many strange pieces of information that one learns uh, about how one came to be on this earth and why everything is the way it is. And I I did not really become an object of of consternation for me. Um, And I guess from either like being a person, I, I don't... I guess I had probably seen, I'm like 13, so I've seen penises. Not that many, but I guess some porn and, like, locker room and whatnot. And they, and and I had only seen other circumcised penises. So maybe it didn't feel strange to me because even though the rite um, and the ritual seemed strange, it had led me to have a, having a penis that looked pretty much like the ones that I'd seen on other people. So, um, no, I would say I absorbed it as normal and, and moved on.
3: But were you ever informed formally by your parents? No,
0: no, I, um, (laughs) uh, I, I don't remember talking. I mean, now the subject of my brisk comes up because there are funny stories not related at all to me that happened on that day and like a big blowout between my aunt and my grandma um so it like at some point we discussed it um but as a as a thing that was inevitable that would always happen I, I never confronted them and said oh why why did you do this today well me?
4: but if so if you found it strange but then its normalcy was, like, reinforced by seeing other men and seeing these. Do you think that you had that kind of lingering, like, this is weird, but it seems to be normal enough? Like?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, just like everything. Like, the, um... Yeah, I don't know. Just like the fact that, I don't know, you come from a sperm that gave you like a one in several <laughs> trillions chance of ever leading to be you and slavery happened somehow and everyone was okay <laughs> with it. You're you're constantly like learning information of things that they don't really make sense to you, and grown ups don't really try that hard to to make them make sense to you, but it's just the way it is. And
3: um, well, I- and the sheer commonness of it, like, you know, if a majority of, of penis owners in the U.S. are circumcised, and I think that's still true, I don't have anything in front of me, but right, who would you be to say, oh, well, that, that wasn't, that, uh, you know, that, that's not fair, I didn't consent to that, I was a baby, is this okay? Like, right, that would be a pretty big leap for a child to make when they're surrounded by circumcised penises.
1: I like this list of, of facts of the world. It's number one, sperm. Two, slavery. Three, yeah. circumcision.
0: It's all crazy. I, can, it's I all cannot, crazy. I can hardly believe any of it uh, happened.
1: Yeah, no, it's three crazy things. Um, should we? Sure. I was
2: just going to go back to what Amir said about not having seen um, his family members' penises. And I'm curious about... Like the structure of circumcision within your families. Like, are you? Is everyone? Yes. Let's.
4: let's So I'm. I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, I had a conversation with my mother one time, where I was just kind of talking about the idea of having children and having a boy, and I said, "Just, I think I'd probably circumcise my kid, so that." He matches me and I can teach him how to handle it and clean it and whatnot. I wouldn't know how to properly take care of and maintain an uncircumcised penis. It's not a thing I necessarily want to be researching and looking up. And so for me, it was just like... Unrelatable. But for me, it's like, that's kind of where I was coming from. And my mom just very quickly without thinking goes, oh, just ask your brother. And I'm like, huh, wait, what? And I was just like, that's, I learned like way too much information in a very short period of time. (laughs) And then I was like, huh? And she goes, yeah, you were born in a hospital. So you were circumcised. Your brother was born at home. So he's not. And I'm like, that's it. That's the whole (laughs) reason this happened. And she was like, yeah, you were in New Jersey. They tend to do that in New Jersey. He was in California. It was at home. There you go. I'm just like it's a jersey, jersey thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's a jersey thing. Uh, fucking dirty jersey. So it was just so odd to me. <laughs> uh it was just so odd to me, A, that she just mentioned it so nonchalantly without thinking twice about it. Almost like my mom had assumed that I had seen my brother's penis.
3: Yes. Um Well r- well right. What's the age gap? How did you not Uh so my, bro- my brothers are like, five and a half. I'm very acquainted with my brother's. Piece. Yeah, <laughs> I can draw it from memory.
4: Um, my brothers are five and a half and nine years older than me. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, are, so wait. So I, are
2: both of your brothers uncircumcised?
4: I don't know about Joe. Joe How was born.
2: That's it. Lead like that. you to ask.
0: Yeah.
4: Hey, bro. How's your dick? Like,
0: <laughs> what was, thing did you get a haircut?
4: Enough? I don't know. Like, it's just it was a thing that I. I wasn't interested in learning; I just learned it, and mm. so I didn't want to. I I didn't want the information. I haven't done anything other than now share it with you guys and, <laughs> and everyone the on this podcast in <laughs> the world exactly. But um, that, honestly, as a as a young adult, was the first time I realized that not everyone in my family was even the same. Mm. Um, so. So yeah, as much as my brother and I look like twins and act the exact same a lot of the time, like
3: key difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that just strikes me as such as an extreme, not ex- like it's, I guess maybe it's not necessarily extreme, but how susceptible people are to medical advice and prevailing like norm, like what's normal. Like apparently, mm-hmm. this wasn't incredibly important either way to your parents, which is fine. But that afford like right like altering a child's genitals doesn't seem like it would fall in the category of like, okay, they did it in Jersey. You know what I mean? That, that just seems, yeah. But at the
4: same time, I feel like that's the (laughs) attitude and approach that I've learned, right? Because I was just like, well, this is me. So this is what I would do, right? Why not? And I didn't think twice about it. I didn't question it. It's just kind of like, it's like you said
3: Right, you you wished you wish for your your progeny to match your genitals, you have a matching set, and that was not a that was not something shared by your parents. They didn't have like a well, yeah, we're all this way. We should like keep that going. You know what I mean? That's what was that's what I'm I'm getting at. Yeah, it okay. could have gone either way.
1: All right, so. When, when we talk about these questions that we got from young people, um, we like to think about what the question behind the question is. So what we think was maybe in this kid's mind or what brought up this question or what made them curious, um, about circumcision. So I guess we heard (laughs) what made you all curious for the first time perhaps, but, um, does anyone have a sense of maybe what made this kid ask this question?
4: Well, it's an important word. I mean, it gets brought up, but it's not immediately clear at all. And the way that it's talked about, it clearly has significance and gravity. But uh, like Noah said, like people don't really want to sit down and explain to their children what a circumcision is. Um, I can imagine that that would be uncomfortable to be describing this painful process that you've put your child through um, to them. So what I can imagine is someone hearing the word and not really knowing what it means, but knowing it pertains to a sensitive part of their body. Um, Or maybe even someone being told that they are or aren't circumcised and not really knowing what that means or how that relates them to other people like them.
3: I mean it filters down through media right like uh like it gets just mentioned obliquely there's like a very special episode of scrubs about it like right they could just kind of encounter this and be like oh it's a it's a choice but like literally with no reference for their own genitals like well yeah how do I find out what I even am
0: I mean for me the question behind the question is um
3: is my penis normal <laughs>
0: am i okay mm-hmm. and um to the hypothetical person asking that question, I just want to assure you. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. If it doesn't hurt <laughs> and you feel okay, you're good. It's fine.
1: Yeah, that's generally what we say about bodies on this podcast. Right? Probably. If it doesn't hurt, <laughs> it's probably good. Probably
2: okay.
1: But um,
4: also, to go back to what Mike brought up too, I think oddly enough, there, there may be the most talk of circumcision in your houses of worship, right? Because that's in your Abrahamic faiths is where circumcision is taught, like Noah said, as a part of the faith and as a part of you being a proper member of that faith. And so when you have passages of the Bible or the Quran or the Torah where they're talking about circumcision or they're, you know, and so-and-so did this and then his son was circumcised and then blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, it just literally just kind of gets brought up and then passed. I could almost even see someone hearing that, you know, in the mosque or, or in the church and being thrown off, like understanding all of the words in that sentence, but not that one.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it is in, uh, uniquely American as far as I can tell, or maybe at least rarer in Europe that like christians getting circumcised is far from the norm at least in europe mm-hmm. and in the us somehow you still get these weird cra- like you get cracks about like circumcision associated with judaism despite the fact that it's like broad it's, it happened broadly over the last 100 years yeah through I, I mean i don't know if i get to tie this to kellogg but yeah there's just such a weird history between circumcision and like like decoupling it from faith in the us
1: we could say a lot about kellogg <laughs>
3: Oh, uh, what a wacky guy! Yeah. What, a, what a fun kook uh, <laughs> just wanted to make us all pure and clean. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted us to eat no spicy food yeah, and no enjoy no flavor. No <laughs> and I get it. The ascetic lifestyle, you know, I, I can't do it myself. If it, it could be enforced on me, you know, by by punishment, that's fine.
1: Yeah, no, I would say it's pretty, um, in opposition to our philosophy at yes, which is that pleasure is good <laughs> and there okay, is no immorality fa- associated with things I, that I feel good. I don't wish
3: to be f- facetious and just have it <laughs> go unmentioned. So definitely full <laughs> sarcasm. The sarcasm will be a- a avoided.
1: <laughs> we love sarcasm, but then sometimes there's things we need to clarify when they're important. Um, True. so in terms of the question behind the question, just to share my thoughts, um, I definitely heard some like, am I normal in there? Like Noah said, and also just like what has or has not happened to my body and why don't I know about it? Just like in the same vein as Noah mentioning, you know, this couldn't have happened to me. Like, oh, did people make choices about my body that I didn't know about? Are there parts of my body I used to have that I don't have anymore? So it just made me think about, you know, what don't I know about myself as another question behind the question.
3: And I just want to shout out my mom. Uh, This was brought up actively. Uh I, I forget whether it even got led in by us having the question, but I feel like a lot of sensitive questions, she preempted it maybe a year too early just by sitting me and my brother down and saying that your father is circumcised, you guys aren't. And I just decided I wouldn't want to make the choice. But the second you turn 18, I'll even help you pay for it if you decide you really want to get circumcised, which struck me as a joke, you know, just it doesn't seem like something that any person would choose if it hadn't already happened.
1: So, just to finish that story, did either you or your brother uh, choose to get circumcised at the age of eighteen?
3: Certainly not. Actually, I haven't checked in on my brother, but I think I would have heard if he had. But no, I don't believe so. Is this
1: a big theme of like non-communication about penises with our brothers?
3: Oh, oh, th- that that was a joke. Uh, I'm in. I'm not in big communication with my brother about our penises, but in my friend group in general, we. We try to look for people who are uncircumcised and we, you know, try to not talk about it, just at least make it known in kind of just like a a fun fraternal way. And we like to keep those people close to us. So shout out Bucky Stanton. Uh, I can't think of any others right now, but uh, I'll find them when I think about them.
4: It's like to all my boys out there with turtlenecks. Yeah, yeah. Good
1: brothers. (laughs) Rebecca, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share on this one?
2: I mean, I had the same initial thought as you, which was, am I normal? Um, Also, like, I don't know, I related it to a conversation that I had with my mom about looking at her vulva and how she hadn't really seen her vulva. And I was talking to her about all of like the slurs that people use as far as pertaining to like the length of women's labia. And I was just thinking about like, I know plenty of women who haven't looked at their vulva and I think it's much more difficult not to look at your penis as a penis owner. Like it's something that you probably touch multiple times a day, uh, for various reasons. Um, so I didn't have a ton to relate it to, but I did have the feeling of like, okay, there's something that I do see quite often and maybe there's something amiss. Or <laughs> maybe I've been, been duped in some way or, just like what, what could have been different or what is and what's the alternative. Um, and I also was trying to relate it and did a poor job of relating it to um, my body and I was trying to think of what could have been done to me at a young age that is common that would have affected me or I could have possibly learned about later. And I was the only thing I could come up with is the idea that people pierce babies' ears when they're young.
1: I was going to say that. But it just seemed so different. Well, something that's kind of parallel for me, cause you know, when you said you couldn't relate, I was kind of thinking the same thing. The part that's similar is, I guess, kind of what Mike said, which is, you know, when I was little, I really wanted my ears pierced. And when I asked my mom, she specifically said in my memory, uh, People. I didn't get my ears pierced until law school and then walked away. And so then I was like, uh, <laughs> do I have to go to <laughs> law school if I want my ears pierced? Do, I <laughs> do that. That was like a long-term battle of me asking for my ears pierced and her saying no. But by the time I was old enough to make a choice, I decided I didn't want to. I still don't have my ears pierced. So it was the kind of thing where I just wanted it because it seemed normal. I felt so abnormal not having holes in my ears, you know, not getting to choose earrings. And then by the time I was an adult, I was like, I might pierce something else before I would pierce my ears. Like, I don't need holes in my earlobes just because everybody else has them. So for me, it was a little bit parallel although perhaps much less sensitive of an issue.
2: Not to continue this tangent, but I just spoke to my uh, cousin about his daughter wanting to get her ears pierced because all of her friends have their ears pierced. I think she's in second grade. And he was, he has a lot of opinions. But he, throughout this conversation, was basically saying, like, if she wanted to get her nose pierced, fine. Not everyone has their nose pierced. That would be earnest. But I think that she's just influenced by all of her friends, and she just wants to get her nose pierced because of her friends. And I was sort of just like... Perhaps, but that's, I was like, can you, yeah, I was like, can you name one thing that comes from a second grader that isn't influenced by other people in their lives? Like, well, isn't that just human culture? Yeah. Also like the idea that you, (laughs) like you are now influencing her with what you want for her body. There's some, there was just something backwards to me about it. I was trying to play devil's advocate.
1: It's really interesting because a lot of parents are very happy to get their kids ears pierced or their daughter's ears pierced, um, but not their nose pierced. So again, it is like just very arbitrary what we think of as normal, you know, where where it's normal to put a hole and where it's not on a, on a child. And then it also, yeah, just going back to what you said about people pierce their baby's ears, I'm sure there are kids who think, you know, that they were born with holes in their ears and that people are born with holes in their ears. Well, the, so that's this, parallel But that too. also,
3: that's reversible, uh, I, you know, unless it's like a, a, a septum like or, or a gauge or whatever, right, like largely reversible and doesn't affect that sense through yeah. the rest of your life.
2: I don't think that they're easily
3: comparable. Oh, oh, right. Right. I just, I just want to, yeah. Like, uh, besides just the like, like blind cultural aspect of it, like, do you, do either of you feel like you're like, like you have nothing to compare and a, another penis to, uh, in a sexual sense. So just like, I don't even know. I don't even know how to so, ask what I want to yeah, ask. Yeah,
4: No, I know exactly what you're trying to ask. And, I know what you mean, because, like, I've only had the orgasms that I've ever had, and I've never been like, oh, that one sucked. It's like, right? Like, they're great, but... Never. (laughs) But, I'm moving on. Um, It's, uh... Yeah, I mean, I wondered. I've wondered about that because I I asked a woman at work who has three sons and they're all uncircumcised, and I asked why, just kind of in preparation for this podcast. It's just like, hey, what's your thinking? Like, you know, you have all boys. What's what's why? And you know, what's up with your kid's dick? And so she said that she didn't circumcise any of her sons because she wanted them to have full feeling, and I was just like, um. And now, as a 28 year old, I'm like, am I not? Is there, like, could I have dialed this up at some point? And they're like, <laughs> yes. This is pretty good. Is there better? I need to know. So, I mean, it's, I, I feel like, I don't know, like retroactively shortchanged. Like, I end up thinking about it, but that doesn't make me upset at where I'm at or the experiences that I've had.
1: So, you all have mostly already answered this next question about um, when you first learned about the topic of circumcision or when you f- remember first having that question of how do you know you're circumcised um but I want to give you a chance to add anything if you want to and also Rebecca and I um can still answer it
3: Yeah, I believe I saw I I think in like a, a sauna or something. I saw my dad's penis and it definitely was noticeably uncircumcised for whatever that meant, but uh I, we might have already had that family conversation before that moment. So I think my first time is my first time.
1: Well, I can share that. I mean, obviously, I never had the question about whether I was circumcised. And I don't mean to say that's obvious because people with vulvas never get circumcised. They do. I just never had any reason to think that I might be. But I did watch Seinfeld. And <laughs> there's a Seinfeld episode about a bris. So that was maybe my introduction to moils And... <laughs> And in that episode, Kramer actually grabs the baby before he gets (laughs) circumcised because Kramer wants this baby to have, you know, full feeling in this little baby penis. And there's really a lot (laughs) I could say about that episode. Jerry's finger gets circumcised. The Moyle's neurotic. It's kind of a wild ride. But that's my first memory of of thinking about circumcision. And then I actually went to a bris when I was in high school. And that was so shocking (laughs) to me. I had had no opinion on circumcision before that happened that I can remember, and I left just feeling ill because of the baby's screams. It was really horrible. I know babies scream for all sorts of reasons, but all that I could think was that we were all standing there, gathered around this baby on a table, watching part of its body get cut off, like a week into its life, and I just felt like, no, this is bad. My gut feeling is that this is bad. Like, this is not the thing we should be doing right now. And I don't think I had any political sense of, like, bodily autonomy or anything at that point. I just remember feeling like, I want to pick this baby up. Like, ah, stop. I just don't want this to be happening right now. I don't want to watch as this baby screams and bleeds while we're all around. And, ugh, just very uncomfortable for me. So that's my first memory of, thinking any which way about circumcision, questioning whether it was the way to go.
4: You brought up the fact that like, you clearly are not circumcised, but there are women who are circumcised. And I feel like this could be the fact that I'm American. This could be the fact that I'm Western. This could be the fact that I'm a male, any of these things. Right. But My instinct and my gut feeling is that the intentions of these two procedures are vastly different. And so, in one way, it's like this is horrible, but if 3,000 years ago we didn't have showers and sanitary conditions were horrible and it was a way to potentially keep someone cleaner, then in my mind, you can justify that more and it's, it's, it can be more of a thing versus trying to deny someone the pleasure of intercourse so that they only do it procreationally, horrible and manipulative and unethical and there's no way to justify that. Is that thinking – I don't know. Is that off? Is that wrong? Do you guys get where I'm coming from? Do you agree?
3: But pointing back to Kellogg, isn't that a uh, isn't that a purpose behind circumcision? It's just it happens to be less brutal relative to fem to right vaginal or I guess vulva circumcision. I, I don't know the term, but you know whether or not it's it's as effective or as awful. Isn't that the same intention behind it?
1: Well, I'll just say, I mean, yeah, they're definitely different. Cutting a foreskin off a penis is. Very different from removing part or all of the clitoris, though they are analogous tissue, which I think is interesting, like the, the foreskin um, and the tip of the penis uh, and the clitoris are made of, you know, the same tissue. But I do think it's interesting to say that both the words mutilation and circumcision can be used to describe both practices, just kind of depending on your politics. So you might call circumcision of a penis genital mutilation if you believe it's unethical and you might call removing part or all of the clitoris circumcision if you are comfortable with it or if you're trying to respect a culture in which that's practiced. People can definitely make arguments in both directions but it is interesting to say that a justification from 3,000 years ago um, makes something okay now even if it's no longer relevant. I kind of think that if it were in my cultural tradition to remove clitoris is for 3000 years, then my clitoris would probably be removed because I don't think it's so much, um, what the original justification is. So as as much as like what seems normal to us.
3: And not to imply that you were saying that modern day, it has a a cleanliness benefit, but, um, I think that uh, like movements to make it illegal or at least, uh, like the, the ruling on it differs in Europe. Uh, I think that it's like not supported that it is necessarily, um, you know, like more infection prone or cleanly or anything, but obviously right, uh, could be different in a time when right running water wasn't happening.
4: Well, and I'm sure there's a correlation versus causation thing going on there too. Like you may have this issue, but it's not necessarily because you have foreskin. It could be any wide other myriad of, of variables. Um, but Part of what this makes me think of is, like, there are cultures where you have scarification of males and females to mark different rites of passage. And in some cases, the scarification takes place on the genitals. That typically is optional to address kind of what Mike said earlier, where it's like, if you don't do this, that's, you don't have to. But then if you don't, socially and culturally, you haven't moved and progressed to that next step. And so, like, you know, Izzy, you talked about being at the brisk. I watched a video in one of my anthropology classes of six- and eight-year-olds having their foreheads cut um, in this this tribe in Central Africa. And you get six lines across your forehead. And they start in the middle and they work out. And it's these small children getting their, their entire forehead kind of ribboned Um, and basically if you don't do it, you don't get, if you don't finish it, you don't get to enter into like the next stage of your adulthood. So it's not genitalia, but it is this idea of scarification and mutilation that is a social norm, is a socially accepted thing and is horrible and is violent and makes people uncomfortable and queasy um, but like you said, it's just, well, this is how things have been done. So we're just going to keep doing them.
1: I have another kind of silly example of that, that like, I I had, a I guess I thought about all of this again, when at one point my dentist said I could get braces. Um, and I said, why, why should I get braces? Like, what's wrong with my teeth? And he was like, oh, nothing. <laughs> but you can get them if you want. He was like, We could make your, I guess my bottom teeth are a little far apart. He was like, You could get your bottom teeth a little closer together. You'd probably get more cavities because you'd yeah, trap that more That guy food. was trying
3: to buy a boat.
1: Well, honestly, he was really like, Do you want them? And I had wanted them as a kid because all the teenagers had them oh, and I thought what? they were cool.
2: But I also wanted
1: braces. Right? What? Yeah. So, but, I mean, I never had them. I said no. At that point, no I thought I was had dating no, I someone. Him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was dating someone at one point when we were young and they had braces and I liked licking across the the roof of the braces. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to get these one day.
1: (laughs) I bring this up (laughs) because it was the first time it occurred to me that braces was like kind of another thing Yeah, that like, yeah, he wanted to make my teeth look normal. Um, and like, yeah, I didn't have very, whatever. I have pretty straight teeth, I guess. But, um, and this wasn't something violent and I'm not comparing it to genital cutting but it just occurred to me like there, there are there, it's easy for us to be like oh other cultures do these wacky body modifications we're normal and we do kind of wacky body modifications too um they just are the ones that are normal to us and again not trying to make any false equivalency between genital cutting and braces but it just it was the first time it occurred to me that in my own culture we modify bodies for aesthetic reasons um of young people what about body hair removal Yeah, that too. I mean, a million things. i
4: was just say, but the same way someone's like, hey, do you want braces? And it's like, I don't need braces, so why would I get braces? It's like, if someone had left the choice up to me and then as an adult, they were like, hey, want to cut your foreskin off? Like, no fucking leave it like that probably would be my instinct you'd
3: have to have like a like a significant religious or cultural reason to be like yes i'm going to get circumcised it just right would be far it wouldn't be compulsive like a compulsory the way that parents are just sort of swept into it
4: with that said i feel like i'm glad it happened as a baby before i started (laughs) using it because then you'd have to temporarily stop using it so you could heal and fuck that Right. No, the opposite. But yes. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's like, since it was done, I'm glad it was done when it was done. But if the choice was up to me, I probably wouldn't have chosen it. And I wouldn't do it later in life.
0: I do have one friend who got uh, an adult circumcision. Um, He was having, he was like 16 and just becoming sexually active. And was having some pain with pulling his foreskin back from his erect penis um and went to a urologist who recommended that he uh do it uh that he get circumcised and uh he did it, and yeah, I mean, I think it was painful for a few days and then he was okay, and he has not rep- i mean this is like the horniest trend i have so i i don't know i i guess um it's it's hard to say um like how sensitive your penis is is a phenomenological uh question right because i mean it can yes it can be studied how many nerve endings are in which parts of your genitals but how it feels is something that can only be known, uh, to the, you know, individual. So I can't imagine <laughs> having any more sensation than I already have, <laughs> like being, being any more, uh, um, horny than I already am. <laughs> so I, no, I, 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 um, I don't know. I guess it's, uh, I have no ability to argue for circumcision's medical benefits or um, ethical benefits. I think I get sensitive to the the people who are really politically against it, probably for reasons of insecurity, because embedded in that Mm. is saying, in a way, that there's something wrong with my penis if it's wrong to do this. Then I, I have if I have to if I internalize that it's wrong to do, then I have to internalize that there was some trauma done on me. And as long as I don't really feel that way, I don't feel I have to feel that way. So I can't really argue intellectually for circumcision, but I can I can just sort of note take note of I never really I guess I I I have this um maybe it's cognitive dissonance uh when i when i hear it being argued really forcefully against
3: well but that's the thing right that it's not like people who describe it as mutilation are uh, either you know willfully amping up language just to make their point or they don't know what they're talking about just because right a doctor would be willing to prescribe it to someone with a specific issue but the thing that they're rallying against is it it being done to children who have no say so like you know tattooing uh, maybe there are cultures that tattoo children i suppose but right that it would never be widespread practice in the u.s to tattoo to allow parents to tattoo children just because they like think it's cool or like that that that's what they've got going on
1: i think it would be more appropriate to tattoo children than cut their foreskin off
3: depends on what the tattoo is
1: (laughs) but i hear i I hear what noah is saying which is like (laughs) there's no reason to tell someone they've experience trauma that they're not experiencing as trauma um i will also say in my totally non-scientific observation as i watched a baby's foreskin get cut off and everyone who supposedly loved that baby just like smiling (laughs) down at him while he screamed i thought this is this is why patriarchy like this is why men are always trying to overcompensate and like show their power because they are all Messed up from those first that first time when we were all like, "Here's the world, we love you." Now we're gonna cut part of your body off. So <laughs> that was my my sense of, of that experience. But obviously, not everybody experiences that way. That's, I think it was my trauma more than his trauma, honestly. I
4: just I just agree with Noah, where it's like, well, then I have to internalize that this happened to me, and that's I'm really glad you brought that up because that's not something I've ever really thought about, but it's something that I have felt and couldn't really necessarily identify. But I think that was, I think that's a lot of my aversion to these posts and to things like that is because it's like, I I don't, I don't want to think about, I just don't want to think about it. It's like, there's a lot of weird entanglement. um, But that's very unclear. And it's all from so far back in childhood that like, how do you really think and process that stuff?
1: Rebecca, do you remember your first, um, Encounter with the topic of circumcision?
2: I remember seeing a side-by-side in health class of a flaccid penis, circumcised and uncircumcised. And it, it came after having already seen plenty of circumcised penises and thinking, well, I've definitely never seen that before. And my... I sort of functioned through life thinking that that was the minority and that that was the weird thing to be. And the first time I slept with someone with an uncircumcised penis, I remember being like, you should have told me first. I don't know how to deal with your body. And I don't know where along the way it changed, but eventually I was just like, Oh, I'm weird for thinking all of these things. I've thought like, I don't know. A body is a body. A penis is a a penis is a penis. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was, it was definitely health class. And then my first real world interaction with a hat or a hood or whatever you, what do you call it? Hood brothers, a hatch, a hat, a vault. Oh, okay. <laughs> a vault. A, a, a hat. that makes way with more a sense. cave, yeah. uh, with the worm in the cave. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was definitely, um, averse for a while, a shame to say. I was just gonna say that each time you bring up br- like a bris, any of you have said the word bris, I realize that I'm so removed from that thought, like I even as a Jew and knowing that my brother probably was brisified it just like when you said it, it all came back to me like, oh, there's a ceremony there, it doesn't happen at the hospital, they wait and then they gather and there's there's fucking like rugula afterwards like, uh-huh. yeah I was gonna say there's caterers
1: yeah <laughs> yes
2: that that solidified how bizarre it all was to me
1: it's a whole different thing yeah the bris
2: right because amira's story is much different of like well you were born at a hospital and they did it at the hospital right it's not like they decided oh you were born at a hospital so eight days later we're
1: we're gonna do it to me Somehow it's weirder to me that, like, in a right. medical setting, they're just like, yes. here's what we do. We cut off the foreskins. That's our default. Like, at least the Jews are like, we've made it through a lot. We're going to stick with what we know. You know what I mean? Like, I get that. <laughs> they, they have some reasons. I, I mean, it, if you believe it's a thing from God and you believe in God, I, I kind of get it. <clears throat> if you're just like, I'm a doctor. What I do is cut off the baby's foreskins. So I'm like, that's kind of weird. You're supposed to have gone to medical school. I mean, medical school is kind of messed up. But anyhow.
0: Well, I mean, there, from what I understand, there's conflicting scholarship on the medical mm-hmm. benefits of circumcision. Like, there are somewhat respected, not totally kooky studies that, that say that it reduces your risk of STD, but I've also seen studies that contradict that, and my, my understanding is that, that the, the jury is basically mm-hmm. out.
1: Yeah. So when the jury's out scientifically... I don't know if the doctor should be cutting off foreskins. <laughs>
0: Which I guess, right, from the medical ethics perspective, you would say that tie goes to not uh, performing yeah, the, the... right. I would yeah. think so.
2: So the final question that we ask is, how would you answer this question for a young person or a child? You could all think about how your parents answered it. Noah, what?
0: I mean, I would, I would just try to be quite literal about it. Um and describe yeah, if your penis has like this little hat at the end of it and like that looks separate from the rest of the shaft, then very likely you're you're circumcised. And if it if it doesn't have that and it um uh and there's an extra skin which uh well, yeah, I probably wouldn't try to characterize it as extra. I would try to be extremely literal about it um, and uh, to help them to their correct answer, how they know if they're circumcised. Or I would tell them to use <laughs> Google and compare theirs to the photos. Yeah.
1: If only I was allowed to tell children to Google penises.
0: <laughs> well, not not if they're. Maybe not. Not if they're children. If they're if they're yeah, children. No, I, I probably mean. wouldn't.
1: If they're your child? I, think if I they're your do child. Sure, don't
2: know. <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess I would, I would look for an appropriate physiological diagram and I, I would tell them to, to cross-reference their own penis against what they see and that the, um, the judgment should well, be easy to make from, from that.
4: Let me ask Mike this. Do you have, and I'm, I genuinely don't know and I feel like I should at this point, do you have to pull your foreskin back
3: to pee? Uh, No. It sometimes like so. So in my case, it will hang over the hole. uh, And if it's fully over, obviously, that's kind of going to create a mess. But there are some cases in which it funnels pretty well. So typically, I end up using some of my fingers to kind of create a predictable stream out of the foreskin. Because like if you pull so all the way back, you turn foreskin into a nozzle. Yes, as opposed to bare hole. Honestly, can go anywhere. I think the foreskin actually ends up helping more than it hurts uh, on accuracy.
1: Interesting. There's definitely a study waiting to happen on that.
3: And to the children, okay. uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, wander into abandoned construction sites, <laughs> compare penises. You know what I mean? Uh, get crazy. You get into fights. Uh, swim in streams. Uh, live your lives. <laughs> Okay.
1: if your
4: penis is flaccid and you have skin that hangs partially or fully over the end, you're probably uncircumcised. If you have a distinct like Noah said, it's just a pretty clear mushroom cap on the end and that's what it is, then you ain't got no foreskin.
3: This is such a more informational ending. Other episodes, it's like, yeah, love is love, and like you guys are gonna do wonderful things in your life, and like and this one's just like, is the hole visible? If not, you're uncircumcised.
2: This is one of our more medical <laughs> questions or more anatomical yeah. questions. Yeah, no, it shouldn't
3: it shouldn't be too it's hard. Why to you figure brought out. on experts. Well,
2: true. yeah.
0: I guess to
4: address that point, Mike, there is no right or wrong answer. No. This is better. This is well, worse. Right, this is right. normal. This is towards isn't.
3: the yeah towards the uh, the question behind the question. I I definitely appreciate Noah's anecdote about his friend, and I would really I would assume if you go back and ask them that they are not like chasing the dragon of oh man those pre circumcision feelings were like the best because. <laughs> I have those feelings, too. It's just called, like, being 16. You know what I mean? Like, I think everything is relative to your experiences and that no matter what you have, you aren't missing out yeah. on something else because all pleasure is relative to your state.
0: Right. This guy does not need to be any horny well, just like, like he is now.
4: Think of, like, remember the first time you really had your favorite one. food with <laughs> melted cheese on it?
1: I just think it's interesting wow. that Skin we're correlating how
2: much pleasure a person can receive to how horny they are. I don't think that.
1: Yeah, I'm also interested in that. I'm also like, none of you have ever had a clitoris. You don't know what you're talking about. So, I, you know, we function. We function in the world with all these extra nerves. I hardly Maybe. function.
0: I'm stumbling around.
1: I'll speak for myself. I'm doing. I'm but doing is, great.
0: But is that due
2: to your? Clitoris I am dropping shit. Uh, who's to say? <laughs>
1: Uh, Rebecca, how would you answer this question for a young person?
2: I think that I would answer answer it similarly to how everyone else has answered it. Just sort of like a, this is typically how it looks, probably provide them with a visual aid. Um, or this is how it can look, and this is typically how a circumcised penis looks, this is typically how an uncircumcised penis looks, and I think I would also just be like, you can ask your parents, your parents will know.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I actually also drew a picture for this group of elementary school students. I was like, oh, let me show you. I drew a, an uncircumcised penis on a circumcised penis. Not very well. They were like, <laughs> oh, neither of those look like my penis. I was like, they were like, that <laughs> looks like <laughs> nothing I, I not have
2: seen before. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure exactly.
0: you're in this line of work? Oh, my God, I don't have a penis.
2: <laughs> I forget what show it
4: was, but somebody was like, have you ever seen a man's flaccid penis? It looks like something that belongs on the lightless ocean floor. Ever since I heard that, I've been like, yeah, I I do kind of agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, besides drawing a picture and, and suggesting that they talk to their family, I think it's really important to be like, either way, normal. Also, penises vary in other ways. Like, not all circumcised penises look the same. Not all uncircumcised penises look the same. Some of them curve this way. Some of them curve that way. There's all sorts of stuff going on, different colors. Like, all normal. And also just to affirm that it's great to have conversations like that with their parents, that it's always okay to ask about things that have happened to their body. Um, And also, yeah, explaining about foreskins and that, um, you know, a foreskin is just some skin around the penis that might retract when someone has an erection. That's a way to know. Um, And there's just some different ways to clean your penis based on whether you have a foreskin or not. So it is important to know. Honestly
3: important. So I think uncircumcised children retract all the way. It's a little uncomfortable. Retract all the way and wash underneath it. It's a good note.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I think I would say that too. Cool. Uh, I have one last question for you all. Uh, if you were going to have children with penises at this point in your life, I'm not going to hold you to it, but right now, what's your thought on whether you would circumcise <laughs> know, or not? What would
3: holding us to it look like? <laughs>
1: oh, oh, Noah, I have, I have a lot of power. So. I mean, we have you on
2: camera and video now, so. I have my ways. It's true. This is a contract. It would just be Show blasting it to, it to your child and to your, right. I don't know, partner. Boyle. My gut
4: is still that I would want my child to match me But I really have no actual tangible good reason other than that. So I probably wouldn't. But then I would think about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As weird as that sounds. Uh, Like every time you want to change your child, you'd be like, oh, yeah a choice i've made. No, i mean like like on my deathbed i would just be like just thinking about my kid's foreskin. Um no, like
4: i just i i don't know, i feel like i would end up wondering just more about the subject. And like Noah said, does this mean something about me? Does this change something about me? Does this change how i relate to my child? Like obviously no. But kind of yeah. Like it's it's so it's a thing. So it would be something that I would have to explain to my son why he's different than I am. But I feel like as if you could preface it and explain it to where like, it's not better or worse, it's just different. And why then that would probably be the best way about it. But I, I don't know. I would want to, but I don't think I would.
0: Hmm. This is a, is a difficult question for me because I did think about this a lot. Um, yeah. Throughout the conversation. And I mean, I would say that, that I would consult my parenting partner and my, um, doctor, uh, or my child's doctor, uh, foremost. And, and like, I'm kind of so either way that I would probably let a strong opinion uh, in either direction, uh, carry the decision. Um, I don't take that much stock in Jewish traditions, though it is strange the idea of having an uncircumcised son in the Jewish community, but I don't really care about that. I don't think any of my relatives care. And I guess I would lean towards no, because I would want to save them that that moment of pain, um, Izzy, that you describe. Uh, But I, yeah, I could also be swayed if a doctor recommended it. Mm or my parenting partner wanted it.
3: Yeah, I think that barring a medical reason uh, that is not just right prevailing opinion, if that still is a thing in the future, when if and when I'm having a child, uh, I think that my mom was being too extreme. So I will say 14 is when my child's allowed to opt into a circumcision.
2: <laughs> um, I know we're wrapping up, but I do have one last question for Mike, which is, we discussed how Amir feels perhaps less equipped to discuss or relate to a mythical child of his that is uncircumcised. <laughs> but did like is there a point in your childhood, Mike, where like you had conversations with your dad, like not with your mom, but with your dad, or like found that he was trying to relate to your body in a way?
3: Um. Y- yeah. Or rather, if if your question uh, was did he have trouble relating to my body? I, I definitely wouldn't say so. I think that when it comes right down to it, the difference between, uh, if two, two children the exact same age are comparing penises, then you can come like rankle against some differences. But the closing the gap between an adult penis and a child penis, like you have so much more work to do before you even get to whether or not you're circumcised. You know what I mean? So like, I think the conversations were like more about you know, hair and girth and mm. color for some reason.
1: Well, that just makes me think, like, if it's hard to relate to a a kid with a foreskin, like, what are you going to do if you have a kid with a vagina?
3: Yes. Right. You're not. (laughs) Well. (laughs) (laughs) We're not related. What if they don't look exactly like you? almost feel more prepared for that.
2: (laughs) You almost feel more, oh, Um, because you've experienced so much experience with vaginas. Oh,
4: I didn't even, wasn't even going there.
2: Um, (laughs) Oh, thank God. Thanks, Rebecca. You know what I was thinking about throughout this podcast is that I've seen a, I've interacted with a a bunch of penises um, and uh, many of which I've only interacted with once uh, and have interacted with them when they were already erect. So I'm now wondering if there were just potentially many more Mm -hmm. uncircumcised penises that I've interacted with than I thought. Um, Though... Like, once you get your hands and your mouth involved, I think it's easier to tell, but if you're just having vaginal intercourse, I think that it could really go either way and I wouldn't have known. Um, What's the question? Yeah, I mean, I just have less experience with uncircumcised penises, so I think uh, it's not, like, the pleasure part of it is the same for me. It's just, as with any partner, like, you're asking questions, you're trying to figure out what's better for them and... I think that if there is a physical difference, I am personally more inclined to be like, oh, there must be more to it than I think. So,
3: do you get a rebellious outlaw spirit from uncircumcised penises? Hell yes. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm looking for. Um, <laughs>
2: oh, I did have a question, and it may or may not be important, um, and hopefully, quick. It's just for Mike. Maybe. As someone with an uncircumcised penis, which we have sort of established is perhaps less of the norm. um,
3: In in America? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Has there been a point in your life or like a sexual experience where someone commented on the fact that you were uncircumcised?
3: Only when I have made it known personally. I've never had someone recognize independently like oh there's an uncircumcised penis it's always like if i'm bringing it up then it becomes this point of oh i wonder like that that's like i don't even know how to deal with it but if you don't tell someone about it there's nothing to deal with you're just like you know be careful you know don't yank down please
1: Mm. okay
3: yeah, that, that I know. Right, that's kind of a very flat answer, but truly, if you don't tell someone about it, I feel like that—that that was kind of your answer about your experiences. Like, you know, any number of people might have been uncircumcised, just if if it, if it, you weren't like in daylight or like in in the light, like really inspecting something.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, after you're no longer <laughs> Yeah, erect, I'm right?
1: wondering. Are you only <laughs> He's just going about people about see your penis with a I, constant frankly,
3: interaction? I, I do, I do pop, I like to pop my underwear back on pretty quick.
1: Ah. Huh. Hm.
3: Is that why? I don't, Is I that don't why? necessarily Gosh. think so. I, maybe I'm a little paranoid about like residual, like, uh, okay, another Scrubs very special episode that stuck with me. Like my, my belief in like, like, juices to somehow like migrate and create a pregnancy is like totally unfounded in reality. But I'm just like, like get like tie up, tie up the condom, throw it out, put on underwear. Yeah, dude, JD, yeah. Yeah. JD yeah. JD <laughs> got his
0: girlfriend pregnant. I forgot about that episode. <laughs> yeah. The whole plot right. line. Yeah. So it's made true. up. <sighs> um. Uh. Well, so much of my sexual education was left <laughs> not to my parents but to like NBC primetime programming. Like it's really Seinfeld. unbelievable. Between Scrubs, Seinfeld, Friends has the episode oh, where yeah. Joey uh, has to <laughs> yeah. pretend to be circumcised for an audition. He like ra- <laughs> Yeah, he like does a yeah, sound right something around his <laughs> head.
1: Oh man. So true.
0: Yeah best best left to the uh Prime time. to the wise gurus at uh on on well, TV. I
4: I would f- I would imagine that most of the time if you're getting hot and heavy and you're getting toward that moment you like things would have to be really off for them to be like whoa 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 hold up like this needs to come to a stop versus just being like okay like that's this also is what we're doing. I mean- um
1: how many of us have things had... about our bodies that somebody could notice and call attention to like, I don't know. I feel like everybody has something that like somebody's going to comment That's on. That's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. Like but... People who are chill about body to different like variation. Right. But there is a
2: pretty, um, like there's just reason to be worried and nervous yeah. that someone is going to do that. I mean, there are plenty of stories, right. Of people, Saying that you're too wet, or you smell weird, or like you're too hairy, or et cetera, et cetera. Right, Mm -hmm. your rationale is the same rationale in the other direction, of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. there are plenty of things that I could comment on right now, and if (laughs) I don't like you that much, maybe I will.
4: That's fair. In in my experience, if we've gotten to that point, we probably like each other enough to just be polite and not be like,
1: "Uh." ugh. That's
2: not nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping people are having sex with people who respect them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, do you all hear that? Be polite, okay? Appreciate the differences between everybody's bodies because that's what makes this a good world. I'm really hungry. It's time for dinner. (laughs) What do you all think? (laughs) Sure. I am fading rapidly. I really appreciate all of your thoughts, but I have to eat dinner.
2: Okay, are we keeping? I gotta madden? pee
3: really bad. I'm going to use the foreskin to We're guide too. it. Thank you all for having me. This has been Thanks, great.
1: <laughs> you all just added so much perspective to this nice conversation Mike. that Rebecca and I just Thanks could not so have done much, by guys. ourselves. Yeah. So thank you for your penis knowledge. Nice to meet yeah. you
4: all. Glad to glad to be able to be a part. of Thanks
1: for having me. Great to have you. Once again, we want to remind you about our Patreon, which allows us to make this happen. It allows us to host the podcast and pay our guests. Um, We're not at the point yet where we can pay ourselves, but maybe you'll be the tipping point there. So, patreon.com slash yes to consent is how you can find that. It's in our description. And we want to once again thank our amazing sex ed sustainers, our patrons, who are giving us $12 a month so that we can make this happen So thank you to Susan Abraham, Alexandra Wolkoff, Molly Waggett, Katie Gifford, and Leonard. We love you guys.
2: This podcast is hosted by me, Rebecca Klein, and Izzy Abraham Raveson. Edited by Izzy Abraham Raveson. Original music by Austin Alfano. Artwork by Rebecca Klein and Jackie Soro. And a special thanks to the young people who asked the questions and inspired this podcast. A special thank you to Mike Morangello for mixing this season.